The Longbox Crusade presents G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Due Years. Welcome to G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Do Years. I'm one of your commanders, Pat Sampson, codenamed DJ Christatos. And joining me, as always, is my battle buddy in this operation, Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist, codenamed Death Crow. You know something, Pat? That is a prescription for danger. <laughs> so, uh, at ease, DJ Christatos and all the green shirts out there tuning in for our podcast. I want to welcome you all to Fort Longbox. We appreciate you tuning in to talk some post-2000 G.I. Joe comics with us as we chronicle our way through the Devil's Due Run. This episode, like all of our episodes, Pat, mm-hmm. is sponsored by Omaha Bound Entertainment. You know what they do, Pat? I think they do some binding. That is correct, sir. They are your best choice for hard binding those special comics in your collection. The guys over at Omaha Bound do only the best high-quality binding. This is the best part. They custom design every cover, so every single hardcover they do is unique. And fancy. Clearly. Yeah. If you want to be like me, fancy. I do, Jared. Okay. I've been striving that. Yeah. I'm so fancy. You already know. Then you get your comments are bound at omahabound.com today, my friend. And look at this. I know people at home listening on their podcast can't hear it, but I'm showing Pat once again my hardbound volume one of The Devil's Do Run. I, I like it when you show me your hardbound. I know. We have a special relationship yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. It's very fancy. Yes. If you find yourself looking at the hardbound for more than four hours, contact seek, your doctor. Yep. Seek yeah. medical treatment. You got it. And I'm not so sure our sponsor is going to be thrilled with that endorsement, but OmahaBound.com. <laughs> Go check them out today. They will make you fancy. Okay. On this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles, DJ Cristados and I are going to rotate in a special ops guest for the show. For this episode, our special ops guest is Gary Viola, codename the Iron Monger. You might know him as a contributor to Pint O Comics. Welcome to Fort Longbox, Gary. Oh, I'm sorry, Iron Monger. <laughs> hey, happy to be here. Hey, we're happy to have you here, man. DJ Christos, did you show him around? Does he know where the commissary is, the barracks, all that stuff? Mm-hmm. Yep. The latrine is over to your left, just over back there in case you need it. <laughs> if you want to peel some potatoes, they're over in the cafeteria area. I think we got Weasel Skull peeling the potatoes. Oh, right? do we? Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, then you just got bumped up. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Ironmonger. We got the questions for you that we ask all of our new recruits. So oh, dear you, Lord. You're going to be okay. I just know it. <laughs> it's a two-part question. The first one is we're going to want to know what your origin story is with G.I. Joe. How did you come to the property? And then after that, we'll go into your three favorite characters, whether it be Joes or Cobras. That's always the hardest part for every guest. So let's just start with the first question. What's your origin story with G.I. Joe? How did you come to the property and how did you come to love it? G.I. Joe was 1985. It was Sunbow and it was Figures. I don't remember which came first. It's kind of a blur at this point in time. I remember my first Christmas getting a, a moray and a ferret and a bunch nice. of figures. Then every morning before going to kindergarten and first grade, it was watching the TV show. Nice. And then about six years later, it was the comic books. I was at a commissary with my dad at the Camp Wiker 
it was a National Guard base in Connecticut and the G.I. Joe was on the rack. And I'm like, ooh, I want that. And my dad's like, sure, it'll keep you off my back for at least a half an hour. <laughs> and then I discovered the comic book and then that was it. The comic books became it. And that's what kept me in G.I. Joe since then. Nice. Nice. All right. So now the hard part, my friend. Three characters can be Joe, can be Cobra. Tough spot to be in to have to pick three favorites, but let's hear them. Snake Eyes, because who hasn't ever wanted to be Snake Eyes? Flint, he always had his girl and he was a leader mm-hmm. and he was pretty cool and he, you know, qualified chopper pilot. Love and it. then finally, Airtight. I remember getting him because he was born in New Haven, Connecticut, which is about 20 minutes from me. And I actually bought him at a sidewalk sale with Sergeant Slaughter there signing autographs. What? <laughs> yeah. Airtight. I played with him probably my go-to for a very long time until I discovered what present Snake Eyes had. Mm. And I was like, who doesn't want to be Snake Eyes? Because he wasn't in the cartoons. No, he was in the comics. So yeah. And so when you discover the comics later, it's funny how what your favorites are. I love it when people bring that sort of oddball in their three. You know, like last episode <laughs> with Red Eagle, it was Tunnel Rat. And then this episode with the Iron Monker here, he's got airtight. And I love it because, yeah, when you're a kid and you're just looking at figures, he had a great design. He was yep. cool and unique. Not but, a dang thing wrong with it. But I think you're right there is that in the cartoon, he really didn't get to show off his skills a lot. You know what I mean? In in the comics, you could tell that Snake Eyes was definitely a, a badass. And you can really show that on the TV. Speaking with, you know, Flint Dilly, who's one of the writers, he was like, how do you do a mute character? You know, how do you put a mute character into an episode? It's very difficult for them to highlight something like that because, you know, essentially the cartoon was an advertising. You know, for me, Airtight, he was the pencil neck geek. He was the prankster, plastic puke and, you know, whoopee cushions. And <laughs> he was a funny guy. So who doesn't like a funny guy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, you mentioned that you like Flint because he was qualified chopper pilot military helicopters are near and dear to my heart. Is there a special association for you as well? Or you just thought that was cool? He was a warrant officer. He was the highest ranking figure I had for a long time. So he got a lot of play. Oh, okay. I got you. When I finally got a helicopter, he was the pilot. And it was just like, I played with my toys and it's just like, I I remember. That's interesting too, that you mentioned that you played with your toys and he was the highest ranking officer. So you obviously knew the rankings at, at that time when you played with them. So like, I didn't know what the rankings were, so I was like, whatever, anybody can be my, you know, the boss. So that that's interesting. How, I well, wonder how many other kids kind of played that way with him. Well, my dad was a major in okay. 1985. So he was a major in the National Guard after serving in the Army. Not really an Army brat because National Guard, but I was in there enough to know, you know, like that, what does this mean? You know, what's that? And he would help me out and, mm-hmm. you know, be like, oh, okay, this, that, and the other thing. And you know, so I knew what a warrant officer was, even though it was like, wait a second, he's not an officer and he's not an enlisted. And my dad's like, yeah, he's some, something in between. He's like, you're seven, go, go away and play. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what my dad was. My dad was a warrant officer helicopter pilot. So oh, that's yeah, awesome. Got a lot of love at my house. So did you uh, play when... with your toys in ranking order, Jared? Mm-hmm. Oh, I knew about the ranks and the hierarchy very, very well. Yeah. And that's how you played with them? Yeah. There was a chain of command in my G.I. Joe box. Okay. So I would, you know, like Duke was high, you know, kind of knew that, but. The rest of them, I didn't know who outranked each other, you know, below that. Yeah, I've mentioned on some previous podcasts how it always bothered me when, like, they'd go on a mission and Duke would be in charge of Flint or Falcon. And I'm like, no, that's not that's not how rank structure works. But, eh, whatever. It's Judge Joe. Have fun. Yeah, it. and they never did a formal ranking. You know, even Larry just, like, would say, it's like, yeah, there's specialists on a meeting. 
on a mission. Whoever, you know, is the mission specialist will give him the That makes sense. The lead. We'll give him the lead, yeah. Yeah, like in this malfunction storyline, we commented earlier, the one that we're on right now, about how uh, Lady J gets the spotlight. She's running this op. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of cool. It is neat when everybody gets a chance, because it would be boring in the comics if it was always the same, Mm -hmm. you know, leadership. That's why they do it in all the comics. I mean, you know, Cyclops started out as sort of the X-Men team lead, and then it'll rotate to Storm and Nightcrawler. Everybody gets a shot eventually, I think, to lead the team, and that keeps it fresh. Yeah, very cool. Cool backstory, cool characters. I have to agree with the writers of the cartoon. It is really hard to put a stealthy mute character into your show. We've had Delvin the Dark Web Williams on every episode of Judge Joe Chronicles since we started, but he just he doesn't have any lines. So he's he's just here. That's Look behind you, Pat. Look up on me. Delvin, stop it. <laughs> Stop tickling me, Delvin. <laughs> you know that's my. <laughs> oh boy, I started. To okay, turn the camera off. <laughs> we got to get him back on the show. We got to rotate Delvin back in. But before we do that, let's let the Iron Monger have a show. <laughs> and with that, I'll turn it back over to DJ Cristados for this episode's intelligence report. Well, Jared, thank you. I'm glad you asked. Let's go ahead for this mission. We'll be covering GI Joe number thirteen. Published by Image. It's got a cover date of December 2002, but its on sale date was January 2nd, 2003. Liars. They're all liars. <laughs> That's weird. Editor was Scott Weirly. Writer, Josh Blaylock. Penciler, Kevin Sharp and Mike S. Miller. Inker, John Larder and Clayton Brown. Backgrounds by Tony Akins. Colorist is Hi-Fi Color Design, Letterer is Dreamer Designs, and Cover Art by Joe Benitez and Joe Weems. And speaking of the cover, Death Pro, please take us through the cover description. Here we go. Take cover! The image eye is highlighted in white as it blends in with its black background. It's very cool. And the cover price is still $2.95. Our main action is a very simple but very great posed action shot of Firefly sneaking around in the dark in front of a brick wall. And it is dope. It's awesome, awesome, and it's also, checking the notes here, awesome. And that's all I'm going to say about the cover for this one. It's a great Firefly drawing. That it is. It definitely is dope. So with that, guys, let's find out what we think of the cover. And we're going to start with our guest, Iron Monger. What's your thoughts on the cover? It definitely is a Firefly cover. You don't really get too many covers with Firefly all by himself. It's absolutely highlighting Firefly. The one thing I take away from this is he must be in motion to have his knees bent like that because my knees hurt just looking at that post. <laughs> <laughs> it might be the, you know, the 50 extra pounds these days, but it's really cool. He's definitely got a look in the eyes that he's looking up. Mm-hmm. You got that spotlight shine on him like he's looking at whoever shine the spotlight on him like i'm gonna blow you up now it's yeah i was just gonna say that that's uh he's got that detonator in his other hand looking up going okay yeah it's probably if my memory serves me right it's one of the more iconic firefly drawings it's seen a lot of use in the years it's clear why it has it is done very well it's actually one of my highlights of the issue this is a great cover very good jared thoughts on the cover oh we just can't agree with the iron monger enough I'll go on a limb here and say it's the best drawing of Firefly I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I can't think of one that's better. I mean, there's been some great ones in the classic Joe run, sure. but this, man, this, I have a funny feeling it's going to get a high score from me when we score them in a minute. 
it's simple, but I mean, look at the tactical gear, like we said, great post, great lighting. I mean, I love it down to the detail. Like I mentioned, the image logo fades yeah. into the black of the it's, cool. Gosh, it's so cool. And when you have the black background and the dark shadows, the G.I. Joe logo pops even better off the cover with the red, white, and blue. It's uh, can't say enough. Pat, go ahead and take it home. You took the words out of my mouth by saying it's a simple cover and by simple, just simple, but elegant, I want to say. Very sharp looking with the detail that is all that Firefly is from the gun to the other weapons to the camouflage outfit. Just really, really sharp on this one. Having that gray and that dark gray outfit against the brown background of the wall and that spotlight on them. Just really great cover. With that Let's find out how we would rate this cover on a scale of 1 to 10 flag points. 1 meaning you didn't like it at all, and 10 meaning it's perfect and you should make a recruiting poster out of it. Ironmonger, 1 to 10. One other thing I want to just say is, like, what's going to knock this down a point (gasps) is the fact that it shows him getting caught. You know, he's caught by the spotlight. If it was anything but that, it would be a perfect 10. It would be an 11 if it was his version 2 helmeted look, but, you know... Mm. For me, it's nine flag points out of ten. That's fair. That's fair. See, I would thought you were going to take a point off for the cobra emblem that's on his shoulder when in this issue, you know. Mm. But. He's not working for no cobras right exactly. now. He works for whoever pays the bills. Yep. This really takes you back to that original Firefly figure right there. Would you pose him like this if you guys had him? Why not? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? The figure. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool to have. Yeah. The like only that. thing missing is his cell phone. True. Uh, but you can't carry around the big old, you know, box cell phone anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Jared, went to 10. Clearly it's a 10. Yo, Joe! All day long for me. Yes, make a poster of this, hang it on the wall. You make a good point, though, about the Cobra emblem on the shirt. You know, he's never been Cobra. He's been of Cobra, you know, in their circles. But he goes through, pays the bill. So in this case, he's much like a NASCAR driver, apparently, who who rented out some space on his uniform to support Cobra. <laughs> he did on the toy figure. He had it. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Later on in the show, maybe I'll reveal once again my story about how I acquired my Firefly figure. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's nefarious. But, dude, this covers a 10 all day. Pat, are you going to join me on the 10s or are you going to go with Iron Monger on the 9s? Because I don't think there's any other choice here. Ooh, 10 or 9, 10 or 90. You know what Joe November would do? Uh, Yeah, if Joe November was here, definitely I would be at a 9.5, but I'm going to have to bump it up and meet you at the 10. Yo, Joe! Woo-hoo! All right, with the cover out of the way, let's go back to Death Probe for the story synopsis in our mission brief. On G.I. Joe Chronicles, we like to mix things up a bit. I'm going to have DJ Cristados pull the randomizer to determine the synopsis point of view. Will I tell it from Joe's point of view or Cobra's point of view? Cristados, pull the lever, sir. Roger that, Jared. <laughs> the lever has chosen Joe. Whoa, we hardly ever get Joe. I know, it's amazing. Let me do the synopsis then from the Joe's point of view. Look in the eyes of a hero. Sacrifice 
trying to stop a malfunctioning rogue super bat is hard enough when you're fighting a whole mess of dreadnoughts, but it's made even harder when you throw Firefly into the mix. Actually, scratch that. Our team of Lady J, Spirit, Rock and Roll, Mainframe, Jinx, Roadblock, and Heavy Duty has never been happier to see Firefly show up. That souped-up bat was decimating us before Firefly arrived and revealed he's working for a third party that was behind the bat's reprogramming and subsequent theft by the former Cobra Saboteur. But then again, Firefly has always been in it for the money. So our fight with the Dreadnoughts ended in a draw, with the only questions left as to who this new organization in the game could be. But they have enough juice to murder a U.S. senator that they were using. Luckily, Hawk left right before the senator's office exploded. Ooh, a lot going on. Intrigue. Intrigue. Especially with that saboteur. I love the way you say saboteur. Oh, my goodness. And with that, it's time to get into our highs and lows of the issue. We will do a couple of rounds. So in round one, Ironmonger gets to go first. Do you have a high or a low for round one? Because I'm revisiting this for the first time in almost 20 years. My first, I was watching Zanya pull all the zingers out on Zorana. (laughs) Constantly belittling her and commenting about her age. Mm. Oh, lady. Those two have not gotten along since they met in this series. I don't know what their beef is. Yeah, I want to know. (laughs) They were very funny, though, snipping each other. I think, yeah, I think Zanya had the upper hand on this issue. Yeah, Zorana is not the cool aunt. The way they drew her when she was in that little sidecar, just straight up pouting (laughs) about that whole situation. Oh, with the wet hair, like a wet dog. (laughs) Would it be Aunt Zorana or Aunt Zorana? Ooh, I think Aunt Zorana sounds is fun to say. (laughs) Well, she calls her auntie, doesn't she? Somewhere, or was that in the (laughs) fancy? (laughs) Yeah, if you're fancy, you say Aunt Zorana. Aunt Zorana. Well, with that, let's go to uh, Uncle Christados. What's your round one? High? Low? What the? You know, I'm going to give it a high in this one. Just start off with the artwork in this. Very well done. With all the action that's going on, the darkness that's happening is very well done. The layout as well, too. As I was reading it through, I was just turning the page, turning the page, and just kept finding myself immersed in this, looking at the art. And that's a pretty good high, too, because as you noted in the uh, specs earlier we had two artists and two anchors i mean it's been very obvious to us since we've started this run and we had the interview with josh it's about Mm -hmm. consistency and making deadlines and they're doing whatever they can to do that and they're splitting art teams a lot of times when you split art teams it's noticeable in a book and to their credit i'm so into the story and the motions going on the art is so good and close enough i'm not noticing when they're switching yes Yeah, everything's very consistent with the art. I didn't realize that it was two artists until I went back and looked at the credits. Mm-hmm. So that's one yeah. thing they did very well. They were very smooth with that. I mean, I'm sure if you went back and looked real hard, you could kind of start parsing out who did what, but you'd have to look hard. And that's yeah. a compliment when you got a couple artists making a deadline. That Atkins guy was back again, or Aikens. Aikens, Aikens. Atkins. That background artist guy was back again. <laughs> <laughs> again, clearly trying to make deadlines by getting more folks involved. Yeah. But doing a good job. Definitely. I really enjoyed it. Like I said, you just turning the page and page after page on this one, just to really into the story and the art just kept me moving through it. Well, for my first round high, it's going to just be Firefly. He's my favorite Cobra villain, period. Always has been, always will be. Got the great cover. Like Iron Monger kicked us off talking about that. Got a great spotlight in the book. So cool to see him brought in in a unique way. Not working for Cobra, introducing the third organization, 
but just seeing Firefly and having him so in command and in control, like I wrote in my summary, the Joes and the Cobras were ultimately like, I guess, ticked off that he left with that bat. But I think they were also like, because no. <laughs> that bat was working them over. <laughs> and I think it was about to kill everybody, wasn't it? It was, was about to go bow. into that yeah. destruct mode. And anyway, that, I don't want to pull a pat and go too far afield, but just Firefly. I love Firefly. He's my favorite Cobra. Well, co- in air quotes, Cobra of all time. You're building yeah. this guy. Yeah. Cobra adjacent. Cobra adjacent. There you go. <laughs> you know, going all the way back to when I first got the figure in my nefarious way. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I just love Firefly. So that's going to be my round one. It's just really happy with the way he was handled and brought in to this series. And with that, we'll go back to our second and possibly final round, unless anyone has burning highs or lows when we're done. But our second official round. Yes, Pat, I know you've got some. Our second official round. Back to the Ironmonger for one more high or low. Yeah, the one thing that I remembered from this series was uh, Blaylock's writing. He really used the other characters in a team book as a team book. So with G.I. Joe, with the hugest cast of characters, he's using everybody that's on the playscape. You know, he's playing with the figures and using their characters, building on what Larry wrote before. In the characterizations are pretty accurate. Like DJ Cristado said, is just because the fact that it was moving and it did flow really well with the art. I have to give, you know, Blaylock some real props for it is an enjoyable comic book. You know, revisiting it, remembered why I kept buying this, you know, mm-hmm. all the way through. Yeah, Blaylock clearly loves the subject matter. Yes. It's it's clear that this is a person who grew up playing with these figures. And is doing that in the comic now, just having fun with it, weaving together some stories. You know, that's one consistent thing we've seen over and over on this podcast. Here we are in episode 13, is if you think back a few years ago, it was kind of cool and nouveau to poo-poo Blaylock. Oh, it's that series that Larry Hama didn't work on, right? Oh, the Blaylocks. And then we pick it up, we're reading it, and it's just so much fun and so good. Blaylock deserves way more credit just- than he gets. Just a love for the old Marvel series and the cartoon series he has blending yeah. it together. He said, you know, it's coming out here. It's shining. Yeah, that's probably the one true criticism you can make of Blaylock is the fact that he probably blended a little too much cartoon for the hardcore comics guys. Mm, could be. But overall, it's like not saying it's your favorite flavor of ice cream, but you still like ice cream. Mm-hmm. You still <laughs> like a lot of the flavors of ice cream. So he might not have served you chocolate, but he gave you vanilla. It's still good. You're still going to enjoy it on a hot day. You know, on a Wednesday, you pick up this book. You know, you read it. I forgot how well he knew the subject matter. And like you said, how much his enthusiasm went onto the page and was readable for everybody. Consistent theme, Pat. Mm-hmm. Never guess we, we got to yeah. re- when they reexamine this Blaylock. They're like, man, this dude is having some doing? fun. You know what? You make a great point, Iron Monger, and I'm going to get lofty for a minute, but you know what? It's okay to like both. Yep. You don't have to be a Hama guy or a Blaylock guy. You can just enjoy it all. It's like you said. It's all delicious ice cream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I'm just hungry. Yeah. I went to Jimmy's. What do you got? Going off of what Iron Monger said there, with the world building that Blaylock's doing here with Joe, I'm really intrigued on who the third person is or this whatever i you know, i kind of think i do you i know, think i remember who it is but the beauty of not having read this yeah, in 20 years yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's like i can't re- you know it's like oh what's going on here but again it's 
in this four arc series, he's got me again going, okay, I got to know what's going on here now. Mm -hmm. I got to get, you know, read the next issue and figure out what's happening. So why don't we just do a quick go around of that, the story arc here. You know, this is the end of this story arc of a four series with the bat. Again, for me, overall, it played well in the story, uh, having it all pieced together now for me. How about you, Jared? Oh, yeah, definitely. The only complaint I've had since we started is every story arc that he's done has left me with a few extra questions that I'm not mm -hmm. sure we're going to get back to or not. <laughs> you remember in the last story arc, I was really concerned about the duping Jinx because Jinx guess, was spying on people. But maybe it had to do, I kept thinking about that too. And maybe it had to do with what was going on here. Maybe. And that's kind of my thing is I'm like, he's, he's really stretching my memory now. I have to go from story arc to story yeah. arc. I still have a few of these questions lingering, but you know what? That's much better. That's much better. Yeah than not having any questions. Because when you still have lingering questions, that drives you to pick up book after book. So I, I'm digging it, dude. And I like when Firefly drops the bomb on Zartan. Oh, and you, the person you got on your team or infiltrated the Dreadnoughts area. <laughs> he was like, what? We've been what? infiltrated? <laughs> I think that dude's dead now. <laughs> Wasn't that new sneak peek he was talking about? Oh, it could have. I can't remember. Yeah. Remember, New Sneak Peek infiltrated an issue one or yeah. two, and then we're pretty sure he might be dead. He <laughs> got yeah. shot. I know that much. But Sneak Peek would... comes back to life and dies in every iteration. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Sneak Peek, the most powerful of all Joes, <laughs> just keeps coming back to life. Jared, what about you? I saw you sneak in extra highs and lows, by the way. I tried. <laughs> Man, you know what? I guess I'll just give it to, hmm, I don't know whether to call this a high or low, Pat. I guess maybe a what the. Yep. In the high sense, I like the intrigue that it ended with. Okay. They murdered that senator, right? Mm -hmm. Who was basically being blackmailed by General Hawk. And he was blackmailing the senator and General Winners. And that's where it runs into a low. I think they rushed that at the end. And I was having a hard time following. Okay. Was it General Winners that got killed? Was it the senator? And I think yep. at the end of the day, it was the senator who got killed, and it was the senator and general winners that were doing bad things behind the scenes. And Hawk, via mainframe earlier in the story arc, discovered that and sort of blackmailed them and switched them to the good side, which reopened their funding. But now Hawk's kind of lost one of his stronger weapons because he was using that senator and, and general winners mm -hmm. to Joe's benefit, but they've been taken off the board. So, again, high for the intrigue at the high political levels but then like i said it was a little rush at the end so i kind of had to read it a couple times i okay i think this is what's happened mm -hmm. yeah i felt the same way too at that end part of who's he talking to on the phone which guy is it and so i think with winters i'm sure he's a juggler and so this senator guy was probably just you know a little lackey under him who would do his bidding or whatever because winters <laughs> had something over him yeah i am unclear whether Senator was a lackey for winners, or winners was a lackey for the senator. I'm a little gray on that. Yeah. But the other intrigue, and I'm going to sneak another one in here, Jarrett. Is... <laughs> Surprise to no one. <laughs> Cobra Commander, the stuff going on there. And I like how he kind of called out Mindbender. <laughs> yeah, he didn't kind of call him out. He called yeah. him all the way out. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then he gives a little, you know, you hear a little backstory too of kind of what's been going on with Commander as he's, you know, was out of the country and trying to build up his empire again and you got you know i like the fake Akbro, you know arbco arbco yeah all that stuff i like all that stuff that's really interesting you've already gone in with guns blazing and we're done with our official rounds if there are any more burning highs or lows before we move on um all ears gentlemen 
Yeah, I got one more. You know me. <laughs> Jinx. You know, I really liked seeing her and her fight against Firefly. She got pounded, but, you know, that was meant to be. But it was really interesting how she was kind of calling him out for a little bit on, oh, didn't you train with a, a Rashishagi? And then, boom, then he just finally gives it to her. Yeah, I have a question about that, Pat. And I know I'm pulling a Pat when I ask Pat this question, so it's like Inception. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> so it'd be like petting my Pat on the back. <laughs> just follow this you know more about the original marvel run than i do i read it strongly up into probably around 50 and then kind of faded out a little bit is this story arc the one that introduces that firefly trained with the ninja clan or was that covered in old joe's before this because when i read this run devils do run back in 2001 2002 i was like oh snap fireflies trained in the arishikagi or however it's pronounced arashikagi arishikagi ninja clan that was a surprise to me. So old Joe looks like Ironmonger might blown away. And what do you got, my friend? Firefly trained with the Koga clan. And because of his training, he was admitted into the Arashikage clan as a guest. So he witnessed and trained with the Arashikage. And he witnessed Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes training each other because he gained that entrance because he was the original contractor to kill snake eyes for cobra commander and it was during that he realized that he was no match for snake eyes and then he subcontracted it out to zartan <laughs> okay uh, so uh, this sounds like it did happen in the original marvel run yes was this during uh, that the the zartan this came out about issue 126 i think issue 126 basically explained everything that i just said and so you're looking at about issue 120 was when that story arc larry started that story arc and then he ran it through issue 134. Oh, uh, okay. Again, okay. very much a blind spot for me is pretty much anything after about 60. I'd kind of faded out of G.I. Joe. So, yeah, it's a blind yeah, that, spot for me, and I'm glad you were here to fill that in. Yeah, definitely. I think that you're right, too. My my memory on the, I would say, past 110 or so like that is it's very, you know, I must have grown up, started looking at the ladies and, <laughs> you know. <laughs> You can read the G.I. Joes. Me and Pat are going to get the chicks. <laughs> I started at 101, so I started a lot later. And when my dad and mom took me to the naval base, I eventually got a subscription because they got tired of driving me to the naval base once a month to get G.I. Joe comic books. <laughs> I love it. I was heavy reading by 126, 128. Okay. Very so, cool. It's very cool. I, and, you know, that's really interesting to hear that stories. You know, everybody's pick up point there. Yeah. All right, with all that out of the way, I will hand it back to DJ Cristados for the IG's report on the combat readiness of this issue. And for those of you who don't speak military, that means we're going to score this issue's story on the same 1 to 10 flag point scale we used earlier. Iron Monger, what's your rating on this? I'm going to do 7.5 flag points on this. It's very solid. Oh, we're, we're I... well, we can't do halfsies. Oh, you can't do halfsies. Only, oh, no. one, only one person is allowed to come on the show and do halfsies. That's Joe November. It's, it's in our bylaws and rules. Yep. So would you round it up to the eight or down to the seven? I would go down to the seven. Okay. Only because Firefly was underused. He had that great battle with Jinx. But with him being on the cover, I would have probably liked him to be a little more prevalent throughout the issue. And then the other thing that maybe sneak into it as a low was when uh, Roadblock chucked the grenade into the sewers. And you see this big explosion. 
And then a couple of pages later, you see all the dreadnoughts just magically getting out. And yeah. yeah, they look worse for the wear, but it's just like, I would have liked some story in that part. But basically, those are really nitpicky things because it's like, it's a solid book. It's not like something that I would call game changing, which would be something, you know, like as a 10 out of 10 flag points. But it's it's a solid book. I enjoyed reading it. I've read a couple issues before and tried to catch up. So this way I wasn't completely blind going forward. Yeah, solid seven. Very good. Jared. I'm going to bump it up the other way and go to the eight. I think it was a very solid eight for me. I agree with the monger there that the use of Firefly, I always want more Firefly. He's my favorite villain. And then we made the comment about how it was a little confusing at the end with the general and the senator and all that. I just feel like, and Ironmonger made the point about, it felt like we got a little shortened with the Dreadnoughts part of the storyline too. I just feel like this story arc might have benefited from going from four to five or six issues. I think if it had a little more breathing room, five issues might've been perfect and might've gotten it to a nine or a 10. But as it is very solid eight, really happy with the way they brought Firefly back in very enjoyable read. What about you, Pat? Well, I'm going to take what you two said, your comment on not having enough Firefly in this, and I'm going to take it on a spin it and go, maybe that's why, because he's Firefly. He's going to be sneaky. He's He's like Delvin on the show. He's on every (laughs) Delvin, stop that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's... um, You know, he's sneaking around, and he's got his hands in different parts of it, so... He's got his hand in the robot, and then at the end, you see that he's got his hand in the, whatever, the juggler, or, you know, taking care of that senator as well, too. So he definitely was sneaking around all over this issue. We just didn't see him. Fair point. And that puts me at an eight as well, too, with you. All right. All right. Yes. And just for the military authenticity point of view, Iron Marger did mention the dropped grenade into the sewer pipe and the Mm -hmm. blow up, and they come out worse for wear. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, if they didn't seal up their eardrums really well, they can't hear anything at that that point. With that concussion going off that near them in a confined sewer pipe like that, they might be deaf for life, by the way. (laughs) In that panel where Zanya's talking to Zorana, Zorana should have been going, what? (laughs) What? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All those dreadnoughts should be like, I can't can't hear you. What do you say? (laughs) Just that whine that. Or just do the work. (laughs) Or do the do the word balloons like tiniest little print yeah but anyways good stuff uh, and now it's time to award this episode silver star medal or silver snake for the gallantry in action this is where we each get to award the character in this issue who went above and beyond the call of duty Jared silver snake Firefly, no further questions. <laughs> I figured that was what it was going to be. <laughs> Ironmonger? Uh, I'd go with Silver Star for Jinx. Just Ooh. the fact that she was able to square up. She got a good spotlight because Jinx didn't really get too much spotlights of fighting. She got up there, she took the initiative, and she fought Firefly to a standstill, which is pretty impressive. I like it. That's a good one. That is definitely a good one. For mine, Silver Star, and I am going to go with Hawk. He played, uh-huh. yeah, he played the game, obviously knew what he needed to do to get his team back in action and get them all the money that they need and all the recruits that they can start to do. So You're on the high levels. I like yes, it. Yes, Playing the field. Because I, I would have taken both of yours, too. So that's why I went with the Hawk. Just throw a little something different in there. And now 
all that is done, let's go ahead and hand it back to Jared for his segment of Death Probe's Toy Chest. It's here, the G.I. Joe collection, each sold separately. G.I. Joe from Hasbro. Thank you, DJ Cristados. In this segment, I will take something or someone featured in this issue and give you a brief toy history on it. And for this issue, I've selected to no one's surprise at all, Firefly. He'll fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe! Cobra's stealing the capsule! They're getting away in the water moccasin! And with him are the evil new Cobras, Firefly, Scrap Iron, and the Baroness. The shark will catch him. G.I. Joe! They're throwing the capsule overboard! Let's go get it! Way to go, Joe! Go, Joe! G.I. Joe Shark comes with Diver. Water Moccasin comes with Driver. Other figures sold separately from Hasbro. Firefly's file name is Classified. His grade is an independent contractor. His birthplace is Classified. His primary specialty is Sabotage. His secondary specialty is Explosives and Terror. Actually said that on his card. Terror. Because <laughs> he's a saboteur. Saboteur. So he's kind of like LL Cool J. He's got Destruction, Terror, and Mayhem. He's going to knock somebody out. <laughs> Come on, man. Oh. <laughs> Here's your figure description. He was covered head to toe in gray and black camo and has black gloves and black boots. His accessories included a black backpack with a removable panel, a green submachine gun, and a green walkie-talkie. Here's his figure history. He was released carded in Series 3 in 1984, discontinued in 1986, and as of the time of this recording, which is September of 2020, there are 28 versions of the Firefly figure. Wow. Pretty high. Yeah. We've talked about this before. Your highest ones are Snake Eyes, Duke, Cobra Commander, and Storm Shadow. So Snake Eyes is now almost in 70. Is he up to 70s now? Yeah. They get insane. Anyway, yeah, having 28 versions ain't too shabby. And with that, I'm going to pass it back to Pat. All right. Next up is our feedback segment called Combat Comms. As always, we'll start off combat comms with a roster of our battle-hardened Crusader Club veterans. These are the fine folks who have joined our Crusaders Club. They enjoy discounts from Jared's online store, theyardsaleartist.com, early access to special longbox episodes, free raffle giveaways, voting on show programming, and so much more. So these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. And Helica Woof. Bill Beer. Blast it or stash it. Bob Buster. Braxton Underwood. Dave Collins, codename. Battle Wagon. The Duchess. Gene Hendricks. Gerald Green. Greg Van Leuven. I, the Collector. Ivor Evans. Jeremy L. Jim Jarman Joe Thomas John Watson Jose Poyo Mighty Mark Hatherley Maxwell Traber Miranda W Mr. Paul Hicks Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents Ryan Daly Samantha Maney Sean Urbanski Steve Cronin Tim Price Toronto Cap And one-time donor Bradford William if we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Please keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you're a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it straightened out. 
So you might be asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? Well, it's simple. Just head on over to patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade. For as little as $1 a month, you'll get access to the amazing world of Crusaders Club. Come check it out. Now let's see what messages from our platoon of loyal listeners we have waiting for us on Breakers Comsat. Communications officer, code name Breaker. These are from last episode where we featured issue number 12, Malfunction, part three of four. Now this time around, we're recording it not too long after the last one came out, so there's not a ton of feedback, but we do. You know who's always fast, Pat? GLHG. GLHG. GLHG said... And a great episode it is, gentlemen. Kudos to at Greenwood Tales, which was our buddy Red Eagle from last episode, mm-hmm. for remembering that Zorana mainframe cartoon episode. That was cool. Yeah, that's a callback. Which I was hoping that they would do something with, but yeah, that was a cool detail that he brought onto the show. I'm really glad he, mm-hmm. he had that. And then he said, and come on, guys, you can tell the difference between Roadblock and Heavy Duty easy. Heavy Duty's wearing a cap. <laughs> And he posted the picture of the original Heavy Duty figure. And he sure is wearing a ball cap. Mm-hmm. And other than that, we just had our guest at Greenwood Tales. Uh, again, that's our buddy, Red Eagle. He just came and posted, yes, with the Yojo gif. So not a ton of feedback. We love more, but a lot of that also has to do with the fact that we're recording this very shortly after Birthday the last episode. one was released. So um, we do appreciate all the feedback that we do get. Our release schedule just kind of shorten us up this time but thank you so much for those who contribute with the feedback we certainly love you guys all right listen up everybody if you've made it this far into the show then you are going to be able to enter our raffle as you guys know i am the yard sale artist and i have done some yard sale recently and i have acquired a dvd of gi joe the rise of cobra pat should we give it away give it away give it away now give it away give it away give it away now <laughs> Get to put it in your player. All right. So if you want my yard sale acquired G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra DVD, all you need to do is when this episode comes out and you're listening to it like right now, just head over to our Twitter or Facebook or Instagram page and find the post for this and drop us a comment. Say hello. Tell us what you think. What are your thoughts on Firefly? But don't forget to use hashtag G.I. Joe D-V-D. Nuts. Exactly. G.I. Joe DVD nuts. That will actually be the hashtag, Pat, just for the heck of it. (laughs) Now, just to make sure, is it N-U-T-Z or N-U-T-S? Hashtag G.I. Joe DVD N-U-T-Z. Yes. (laughs) So if you're listening right now, comment on any of our social media platforms using hashtag G.I. Joe DVD nuts in that with a Z, by the way. And you'll be automatically entered to win this G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra DVD. And if you are indeed the winner, we will announce the winner on our next episode. And that brings us to mission complete status for this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Due Years. If you'd like to hear more from us in the realm of comic books, action films, vintage TV, movies, serials, and more, check out the entire Longbox Crusade Network. DJ Chris Dados, where can they find that? Well, Jared, I am glad you asked. You can find it on the iTunes, Google Play, and most podcatchers or at www.longboxcrusade.com. You can also find the Longbox Crusade on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Longbox Crusade. Back to you, Jared. 
Excellent. If you want to chat with us online, personally, we can be found at Pat. Give it to me. Well, Jared, I am glad you asked again. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Jared? I am at Yard Sale Artist. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Parlor. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my YouTube channel, also Yard Sale Artist. But let's hear from our special guests and where we can find the Ironmonger on them internets. Go ahead, sir. Primarily, I'm on Twitter at IGGaryV. Also, you can find me on the Pina Comics podcast and YouTube channel. Pina Comics is a pop culture podcast available on all the popular podcast catchers. And I also do the toy review show on the YouTube channel. It's just simple. Go to YouTube and type in Pina Comics. And in Facebook, it's Pint O with apostrophe comics. You know, and on Twitter, it's at Pint O Comics. For the longest time, I thought it was Pinto Comics. Ooh. <laughs> we get that. And then early on, we were saying Pint of Comics. And, uh, you know, pronunciation is key. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Definitely check that out. If you're not following the Ironmonger here on Twitter, you totally should. If you love G.I. Joe, he's always posting cool stuff. That's how I got to know him. He's a fun guy and a fun follow. Hit me with that Twitter handle one more time, sir. At IGGaryV. Do it. Do it. And if you want to interact with us via live chat, be entered to win some other free stuff on our live raffles, join us for our next episode of Doing It Live stream over on YouTube. We do them on the second Sunday of every month. Unless, of course, it falls on a holiday. We'll bump it back a week. And we always start at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. You can get signed up for that by looking up Longbox Crusade on YouTube. Please subscribe to our channel and click the bell so you get notifications for when we go live. Thanks for joining us for this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles of the Devil's Do Years. We'll see you on the battlefield next episode when we cover issue number 14, Homecoming Part 1 of 2. Until then, platoon, fall out. Yo, 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 yo. yo. we out. Goodbye, everyone. The music themes for this show are done by musical genius Joe November. Please check out his SoundCloud at Joseflin99. That's J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. He doesn't have to put up with it all the time. What do you mean, put up with it? You mean bask in it, I think is the phrase you were looking for. Uh, yeah, yes. Starting the long box crusade, you know, yeah. uh, Jared and Jason. Then finally I landed Delvin. <laughs> and that was more work than it <laughs> <Yeah>. was worth. <laughs> and now I'm like, well, how do I get rid of these? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the, you're right, Pat. They didn't showcase Airtight a lot in the comics. They kind of sealed him away. No, I'm talking you see what good I'm going for? Oh. I was going for an airtight uh, seat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dang yeah, it. Yeah. I went the wrong way on that. Over the head. Yeah. I'm not I'm not happy about what just happened. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I gotta see what it is. Every episode. <laughs> I'm all I'm all about so excited to make the sound. <laughs> I forget what it is. You guys been talking about my fanciness? No. All Should of it. <laughs> yes. I talk about it too much. Man, no I'm such fancy, thing. Blah, blah, blah. No such fancy, thing as too blah, much blah. of my fanciness. He's so fancy. <laughs> <laughs> See, Ironmonger gets it, man. Gary knows what's up. <laughs>